Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volume, over 2,500 page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who have proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 295. We are reading from volume 4. Book 7, Chapter 9, Paragraphs 135 to 144. Chapter 9. The Most Holy Mary sees Lucifer rising up to persecute the church. What measures she took to defend and protect the faithful against this enemy. 135. Elevated to the highest degree of grace and holiness possible in a mere creature, the great lady of the world saw with eyes of divine knowledge the little flock of the church increasing day by day. As a most watchful mother and shepherdess from the heights in which she was placed by the right hand of her omnipotent son, she watched with the deepest insight, lest any assault or attack from the ravenous wolves of hell threaten the little sheep of her fold, for she well knew their hatred against the newborn children of the gospel. The watchfulness of the mother of light served as a wall of defense to this holy family, which the loving queen had accepted as her own and which she looked upon as the portion an inheritance of her divine Son, selected from the rest of men and chosen by the Most High. For some days the little ship of the church, governed by this heavenly commanderess, proceeded prosperously onward, being assisted as well by her counsels, her teachings and warnings, as by her incessant prayers and petitions. Not for one moment did she remit her diligence in attending to all that was necessary for consolation of the apostles and the other faithful. 136. A few days after the coming of the Holy Ghost, while at her prayers, she spoke to the Lord, My Son, the God of true love, I know, my Lord, that the little flock of thy church, of which thou hast made me the mother and defender, is of no less price to thee than thy own life and blood, by which thou hast redeemed it from the powers of darkness. Colossians 1.13 It is therefore reasonable that I also offer my life and all my being for the preservation and increase of what is so highly esteemed by thee. Let me die, my God, if it is necessary, for the enhancement of thy name and for the spread of thy glory throughout the world. Receive, my son, the offering of my lips and of my entire will in union with thy own merits. Look kindly upon thy faithful. Receive those who hope solely and give themselves to thee in faith. Govern thy vicar Peter, that he may rightly direct the sheep thou hast given him in charge. Watch over all thy apostles, thy ministers and masters. Meet them with the blessings of thy sweetness. 
so that we may execute thy perfect and holy will. 137. The Most High answered the petition of our Queen. My spouse and beloved, I am attentive to thy desires and petitions, but thou already knowest that my church is to follow in my footsteps and my teachings. Imitating me in the way of my suffering on the cross, which my apostles and disciples and all my intimate friends and followers are to embrace, for such they cannot be, without this condition of labor and sufferings. Matthew 10.38 It is necessary that my church should bear the ballast of persecutions, by which it will pass securely through the prosperity of the world and its dangers. Such is my high providence in regard to the faithful and the predestined. Attend, therefore, and behold the manner in which this is to be brought about. 138. Immediately the great queen in a vision saw Lucifer and a great multitude of hellish followers rising out of the depths of the infernal caverns, where they had lain oppressed since the time they had been vanquished on Mount Calvary and hurled into hell, as I have described above. She saw the dragon with seven heads coming up as if it were from the depths of the sea, followed by the rest. Although he came forth very much weakened in the manner of convalescence, unable after a long and grievous sickness to drag themselves along, yet in his pride and chagrin he was lashed to implacable fury and arrogance. Having on that occasion experienced that these passions in him are greater than his power, as Isaiah says, Isaiah 14.9, for on the one hand he exhibited the effects of the crushing defect which he had undergone in the victory and triumph of the Savior on the cross, and on the other hand, he exhibited his wrath and fury, which now was bursting forth like the fires of a volcano against the Holy Church and her children. Having come upon the earth, he roamed all over it and reconnoitred it. Then he hastened to Jerusalem in order to strain all his rabid fury in persecuting the sheep of Christ. He began to spy from afar, gradually approaching and veering around that fold, which was so humble and yet so formidable to the arrogant malice. 139. The dragon saw what a multitude had subjected themselves to the faith, and how many were hourly receiving holy baptism. How the apostles continued to preach and to perform such great miracles for the good of souls. How the new converts renounced and abhorred riches. How the holy church was founded with all the principles of invincible sanctity. At such astonishing changes, the wrath of the demon increased, and his concentrated malice and wrath vented itself in fearful howls. Lashing himself into fury on account of his being so powerless against God and thirsting to drink up the pure waters of Jordan, he sought to approach nearer to the congregation of the faithful. But in this he could not succeed because they were all united in perfect charity. This virtue, together with faith, hope, and humility, rose like an unapproachable fortification against the dragon and his ministers of malice. He roamed about in the vicinity to find some little sheep that might have carelessly strayed from the fold of Christ in order to attack and devour it. He schemed and plotted in many ways to attract someone of them who should give him an opportunity of entering the fortress of virtue by which all were protected. But everywhere he found his entrance forestalled and prevented by the vigilance of the apostles and the power of grace, and especially by the protection of Most Holy Mary. 140. When the Great Mother saw Lucifer and such an army of demons rising up with malicious wrath against the evangelical church, her loving heart was pierced by a dart of compassion and sorrow. For she knew on one hand the weakness and ignorance of men, and on the other hand the malicious and cunning hatred of the ancient serpent. 
In order to restrain and check his pride, the Heavenly Mother turned upon them and said, Who is like God that dwells in the highest? Psalm 112, 5. O foolish and vainglorious enemy of the Omnipotent, the same one who vanquished thee on the cross and crushed thy arrogance, redeeming the human race from thy cruel tyranny, commands thee now, this power annihilates thee, his wisdom confounds thee, and hurls thee back to hell. In his name now shall I do this, so as to deprive thee of the power to hinder the exaltation and glory due to him from all men as their God and Redeemer. Then the solicitous mother continued her prayers and spoke to the Lord, Supreme God and Father, if the power of thy arm do not restrain and quench the fury which I see in the infernal dragon and his hosts, I doubt not that he will cover the whole face of the earth with the ruin of its inhabitants. Be thou, O God, of kindness and of mercy to thy creatures. Do not permit, O Lord, that the venomous serpent pour out its poison upon the souls redeemed and washed in the blood of the Lamb. Apocalypse 7.14 Thy Son and the true God, is it possible that the souls themselves should ever deliver themselves over to such a bloodthirsty beast, their mortal enemy? How is my heart constrained with fear, lest any of the souls, enriched with the fruit of this blood, fall into such a deplorable misfortune? Oh, that the wrath of this dragon might be turned upon me alone, and that the redeemed be placed in safety. Let me, eternal Lord, fight the battles against thy enemies. Clothe me with thy power, in order that I may humiliate them and crush their pride and haughtiness. 141. In virtue of this prayer and the resistance of the powerful Queen Lucifer was struck with great fear, and for the time being he dared not approach any of the congregation of the faithful. Yet his fury was not allayed on that account, but he plotted to enlist the scribes and Pharisees and all of the Jews, whom he perceived still clinging to their obstinate perfidy. He betook himself to them, and by many suggestions filled them with envy and hatred against the apostles and the faithful of the church. Thus, through the unbelievers, he roused the persecution which he could not begin himself. He filled them with dread, lest by the preaching of the apostles and disciples a like or greater damage would arise than from the teaching of Jesus the Nazarene. He suggested to them how evidently the followers of Christ intended to spread the glory of his name, how, since they themselves had crucified him as a malefactor, his glory would redound to their dishonor. And as there were so many disciples, and as so many miracles were wrought in his name, how all the people would be drawn toward them. The teachers and the learned in the law would be despised and lose the accustomed prerequisites, as the new believers would donate all their goods to the new teachers, and how inevitably this damage would very soon overtake the teachers of the law, on account of the great multitudes following the apostles. 142. These malicious suggestions appealed very strongly to the avarice and ambition of the Jews, and therefore they accepted them readily as sane, and as very conformable to their own desires. Hence arose the many meetings and cabals of the Pharisees, Sadducees, magistrates, and priests against the apostles, as mentioned by St. Luke in the Acts. The first occasion arose at the miracle wrought by St. Peter and St. John in healing the paralytic, who had suffered under his malady for forty years from the time of his birth, and who was known throughout the city. As this miracle was so evident and remarkable, the inhabitants gathered in great multitudes, all astonished and excited beyond control. St. Peter preached them a great sermon, proving that they could not be saved except by the name of Jesus, in virtue of which he and St. John had cured this paralytic of forty years' standing. 
In reference to this event, the priests held a meeting in which they called the two apostles to account. But as the miracle was so notorious, and as the people glorified God in it, the iniquitous judges were too much confused to attempt to punish the apostles, although they commanded them not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus the Nazarene for the future. But St. Peter, with invincible courage, told them that they could not obey this command, because God commanded them the contrary, and it was not right to obey men in opposition to God. Acts 4.19 With this warning they were dismissed, and the two apostles immediately repaired to the Most Holy Queen to report their experience, although she, by a special vision, had been informed of it all. Then they engaged in most exalted prayer in which the Holy Ghost again came upon all of them with visible signs. 143. A few days afterwards happened the miraculous chastisement of Ananias and Sapphira, who, tempted by their avarice, tried to deceive St. Peter. They lied to the apostle in bringing to him a portion of the price of it, an inheritance they had sold in secreting the other part. Shortly before, Barnabas, also called Joseph, a Levite, and a native of Cyprus had likewise sold his inheritance and brought all the proceeds of it to the apostles, in order that it might be impressed upon all that each one should act with the same integrity, Ananias and Sapphira were punished, falling dead at the feet of St. Peter one after the other. Through this formidable wonder, all in Jerusalem were struck with fear, and the apostles preached with greater freedom. But the magistrates and Sadducees were roused to anger and had them seized and cast into the public prison. There they remained but a short time, because the queen liberated them, as I soon shall relate. 144. I will not pass over in silence the mystery connected with the fall of Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, when the great mistress of heaven and earth perceived that Lucifer and his demons incited the priests and magistrates against the preaching of the apostles, and that through his suggestion they had dragged St. Peter and St. John before their tribunal after the miracle of the paralytic. This loving mother feared lest the conversion of other souls might be prevented, and therefore, as her divine son had enjoyed her, she with greater courage than that of Judith took up their cause as her own and addressed that cruel tyrant. Enemy of the Most High, how dost thou dare, and how shalt thou be able to rise up against his creatures? When by the passion and death of my Son and true God thou art so completely vanquished, subjected and despoiled of thy tyrannous empire, what canst thou do, O venomous basilic, chained and imprisoned in hellish torments for all eternity by the Almighty? Dost thou not know that thou art subjected to his infinite power, and that thou canst not resist his invincible will? He commands thee, and I in his name and power command thee, immediately to descend with thy hordes to the depths, from which thou hast risen to persecute the children of the church. This concludes our reading today for day number 295. We've been reading from volume 4, book 7, chapter 9, paragraphs 135 to 144. In today's reading, again, we see really how Mary is connected to the life of the early church. We hear also today about how the evil one, Satan, now is rising up against the apostles. Remember how Satan and his forces rose up against Jesus and now against the apostles. And so you have Our Lady, who is serving the early church and who also is combating evil. You have Mary praying in 
the opening paragraphs today. Look kindly upon thy faithful. Receive those who hope solely in thee and give themselves to thee in faith. Govern thy vicar Peter, that he may rightly direct the sheep thou hast given him in charge. Watch over all thy apostles, thy ministers, and my masters. Meet them with the blessings of thy sweetness, so that we all may execute thy perfect and holy will. Mary is praying for Peter, who is the head of the apostles. She's praying for the college of apostles, those called by Jesus. And really this prayer that Mary makes today in our reading, we could almost say is a prayer for the entirety of the church. That as she prays it in this moment, God hears that prayer and applies that prayer as she prays for Peter and who will be Peter in the future, even to this very day. But I think Mary's prayer for the Pope and for the apostles or priests is fitting. And it's a reminder to us Pray for the Holy Father. Pray for priests. Pray for bishops. And then we have Mary rising up as the evil forces begin to threaten the apostles. So they've just healed a paralytic and now people are really upset about that. Well, Mary goes to battle again against evil. She rises up and she makes her prayer and petition known to God, and she confronts the enemy, enemy of the Most High. How dost thou dare? And it goes on. Mary is the one who crushes the head of the serpent. Mary is powerful against evil. Again, I've said this before, but read or listen to any exorcist, and they'll tell you that at the name of Mary, devils flee. And so... Mary here, really coming to the aid and to the defense of the early church and in our own life. May she see our own battles and may she confront them on our behalf. I'm Father Edward Looney and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.